greetings from the church in Boone and our part of the church in Boone. I brought a friend with my name, Paul, and uh, we've become, we are becoming good friends. We're both a part of a, a big church in, in Boone called Alliance Bible Fellowship. And so we'll be talking today about, uh, we're going to be ministering out of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and then chapter 2 verses 1 through 13. And so we'll be talking about uh, some about the missionary journeys of uh, of Saul, of Paul, and then of Timothy and his impact on Timothy. So uh, we've come from the mountains, and I've I've got Apostle Paul with me, and uh, I was joking with him about that. But we've had a great time fellowshipping down here and praying, coming down here and praying for you. My wife Connie um, normally would be here. She just returned late, late, later than she wanted to because of. Uh, uh, flight difficulties, but uh, my number six child had our number 11 grandchild, and she just returned from Washington State, so I told her, you need to just rest and recuperate, and so I'm glad that I had a traveling companion with Paul, and and uh, <clears throat> I'm excited to be here today. Thanks so much for having me, and so join me in prayer if you would. Lord, we welcome you here. We welcome your presence here. We acknowledge your presence. We thank you for the power of the Word of God, the transformative power of the Word of God to change our lives. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit who will quicken your Word to our hearts and produce change that we need. You're always molding us. You're always conforming us. You're always conforming us to the to Christ image. And so we want to become closer to you. We want to be more accurate representations of who Christ is to a world that so desperately needs him. So Lord, we ask you to today as we go over a lot of scripture and talk a lot about the history of the church that you would give us not just information, but impartation, and that, Holy Spirit, you would bring conviction where we need it individually, where this church in Kernersville needs it. And, Lord, you would be glorified in your church so that people will see Jesus as the hope of the world. I did bring a magazine from Boone. This is something that a magazine that I, my company publishes. And so there's some on the back table there. And... Um, invite you to pick one up if you'd like to at the end. So starting in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, I'm going to read this, and then we're going to just basically following Ben Cotton's pattern, uh, I typed out all my notes. And so you have them to follow along with. Uh, oh, i got to set my clock. He said a trap door opens and swallows me up at... <laughs> In 30 minutes, so I got to be able to move quick. And uh, I was joking with as we met before the service to pray. I was saying, well, you know, when you have this to follow along with, you know, if you're, you know, I'm halfway through page one and there's only five minutes left, uh, you know, you're in trouble. But uh, actually, uh, it's a joy to be able to come and not just share one week, but share two weeks. And there's a lot to share. And I believe the Lord has given, laid a lot on my heart 
to uh, bring to you from this passage. And so we'll get as far as we can today, and we'll, uh, uh, as we have already invited the Holy Spirit to do, to lead us. So 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, I'll be reading from uh, the New International Version that I've had for years. You know, there's always some little discrepancies according to different um, you know, translations, but this is what I'll be reading out on. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Now we're going to draw particular attention to the relational dynamic between Paul and Timothy. And here's what he says, to, my, to Timothy, my dear Son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lewis, Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. I'll just go in and read 6 and 7 and close out that first paragraph. For this reason, he's talking about, listen, yours and my relationship goes all the way back to when I showed up in your hometown and the first time I showed up, I perceived that a man was receiving what I was saying and he'd been crippled since birth and he got healed immediately and it caused such a ruckus in town that the, the Jews who didn't like my message got a, bunch of, got a mob together and they stoned me and left me for dead and pulled me out of town. And that was his introduction to Timothy's family. <laughs> uh, as, as we'll see later, we might uh, develop more in depth. But according to some of the background material I read, Timothy would have been about 13 years old <laughs> when this happened. Imagine the impression that that made on his life when he saw his Mama's life changed radically. His grandmother, Lois, changed radically. And then it'll be really interesting to see how Paul and Timothy's relationship developed. And this letter is being written. written. It's Paul's last letter before he's martyred in prison. And it's been written to Timothy, who's now the pastor of the church in Ephesus, to encourage him. And then, as it says, to, to, to remind him to fan into flame the gift of God. This is a side issue. This is why these notes are really important, so I stay on track. But I'm going to throw this in. Paul and I were talking this morning about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for some reason or another, the church in America has gotten away from emphasizing the importance for that, as we should. We were, we're not afraid to talk about God the Father, God the Son, but then it's kind of like, and God the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we were talking about many people that we know, that we know personally, who, had, who got baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
many of whom receive the evidence of speaking in tongues, and many who don't speak in tongues anymore. And I would say this is an example. You know, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, yes, He fills us with the Holy Spirit. I think we even sang a song about it today. But there's a responsibility that we have to use the gifts He's given us to the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, you give thanks well. And so I'm not saying that everybody that gets baptized in the Holy Spirit has to speak in tongues. I'm just saying if you got that gift, fan it into flame. If you got the gift of prophecy, fan it into flame. If you got another gift, and particularly these gifts are used, not so much, not a, I mean, they're used in big set. This is, this is not a mega church like we go to in Boone, but there's, a lot, there's normally a lot more people here. And it's harder for that to operate in a bigger group than it is in a smaller group. But in smaller groups, we need to be able to say, Brother, the Lord told me this. And not be messing around. You know what I'm saying? If you say the Lord said it, the Lord better have said it. And if the Lord said it, He'll confirm it. So whether it's a word, it's a gift of the Spirit. You know, He said, fan into flame that gift. I didn't really plan to, to dwell on this, but since I'm there, I will just land it and come back. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. And I believe he's specifically talking about you've got a gift to pastor. You've got a gift to lead. You've got a gift to teach. And you are responsible to do something about that to edify the body of Christ for the glory of his son, Jesus. The reason the church exists is to point people to Jesus who is the only hope of the world. He's our only hope. Amen? And so he says, For God did not... Now, I love this. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Another version says of fear. But a spirit of power, of love. My my version says self-discipline. Another version says sound mind. We can have an establishment on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ and in His... And our assurance of His love for us, we can be established in that in such a way that we don't have to be dictated to by our human fears and insecurities and worries and concerns. Often this morning we heard about casting your care on the Lord. Why? Because He cares for us. So, these scriptures, now we'll get to the notes after a sidetrack. Let's see if we can make this happen today. But I'm not going to strive over it. We're going to be open to however the... Holy Spirit wants to move this time. But these verses reveal a depth of relationship with Paul and Timothy that was developed. And I want you to hear this. It's not just, well, they just happened to meet and they just happened to develop a good relationship. This this relationship was developed according to a pattern, the pattern that Jesus laid out for us in, in, in how disciples of His are to make disciples of others who were plugged into the same truth and power sources that Jesus was to bring His light and love and redemption into a dark world. I mean, you can, you can, have, uh, you can have come to faith in Christ, you have been water baptized, you, have get, you could have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but if you're not coming alongside and finding and pursuing meaningful relationships with other Christians so you can build each other up, edify each other, and represent and be the body of Christ to the culture that you're called to, then that's a problem. 
If you're a believer in Christ and for some reason you've gotten disenfranchised from the body of Christ or you've gotten bummed out because Christians disappointed you or let you down, uh, join the club and don't drop out, get back in, find your place because you cannot have a fully right connected relationship with Jesus Christ unless you find your place in his body. And so I'm not saying that to you from some high lofty place of, you know, I've always been, you know, committed and, and you know, I've always been locked into the body of Christ because I've had my roller coaster moments. I mean, the biggest problem I have with, with Christ, and I've said this before here, I think, is why did you entrust the responsibility of making disciples to humans? I mean, he's sovereign, right? He could stick his face out and just tell everybody. But he, but he did it because he wanted to show the world how his strength can be perfected in our weakness and that what happens to humans when we learn to die to ourselves, live in his resurrection power, and we learn... See, he didn't just die for our sins. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't stay in the grave. He was resurrected from the dead. And he wasn't just resurrected from the dead. When he came back, he hung out with his disciples for 40 days. He helped them put all the pieces together. And then he said, now don't you go anywhere and do anything until the Spirit comes. And those guys right there, when, they, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and Jesus had helped him put all the pieces together of how he, he, he was the Messiah established through Scripture because they were in a culture where everybody's going, no, 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 that's not what the Scripture says. That's not what the Scripture says. That's not what the Scripture says. And if you remember Jesus to those scribes and Pharisees were going, no, that, that, that's not true. You couldn't be the Messiah. He goes, listen, guys, you err because you don't know the Scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Do you remember that? Well, there's a lot of people in America that don't have the fullness of what Jesus wants for them because they don't understand the Scriptures and they don't understand the power of God. And so I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing a revival and a renewal where that which was once kind of dampered down, the Holy Spirit's fanning the flame again. And He wants to do it right here in this church. He wants to do it right here with everybody that's sitting under the sound of my voice, He wants His glory revealed in His world through humans who've learned to plug into the power. He goes, guys, I came to show you how to do it. You know, here's Jesus. He's God in the flesh. And He often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Because he knew he could not operate without hearing what the Father wanted to do. And the problem in many of our lives, the reason that Christianity becomes a drudgery to us is because we do what we think we're supposed to do and we ask God to bless it instead of asking what God, what he wants us to do, and he will bless it. Where there's humility and where there's a seeking first the kingdom of God, he will bring his presence, His power, and in spite of us. <laughs> Here's the beautiful thing. Again, I say to, you know, jokingly, I, Jesus, why'd you entrust this responsibility to humans? And one of the things He said to me, He says, well, listen to this. 2,000 years later, 
The church of God is still alive and well, and I'm doing something that's going to absolutely... Uh, I'm building my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I'm going to do it in spite of y'all. And so, therefore, when it happens and you get to be in on it, you're going to go, wow. None of us are going to stand before God when we come before the Father and say, wasn't I cool, man? I got it right. I listened to you. And he's going to go, you didn't do anything. I tracked you down, got you to in a corner, you surrendered, and then you realized you needed me. And then some cool things happened and you got proud about it. So let me just tell you something. No matter how long you've walked with Christ, no matter how many great things you've experienced, no matter how many healings you've seen or whatever you think you've done, you let your pride flare up. You see, our job is to humble ourselves. God's job is to exalt us. If we exalt ourselves, then God will have to do our job and humble us. We're going to see a little bit here how that worked, even in the Apostle Paul's life when he was called Saul. So we're not just going to talk about the truths that Paul imparted to Timothy and to all Christians down through the ages. We're going to consider the context of how their relationship developed, which, and then I got all this in big caps, and that's why I like giving you notes. I can kind of yell at you in the, in, the, in the notes. It has everything to do with Jesus' method of discipleship that he, he instilled in his followers. My heart in sharing this with you these next two weeks is to help you strengthen your current... Now, this is, this is just for this particular church, but I would say it to any church that I would have the honor of, of, of ministering to, to. We need to strengthen our own current discipleship methods. I know you're serious about discipleship or you wouldn't still be existing. But I also believe that learning to invest in kingdom building relationships like they did, and then in big caps, all bold, is crucial for the future realities that are coming upon the church in the times we find ourselves in today in a culture that is becoming increasingly hostile to biblical truth. In the times that are coming, we are going to need to be tuned in, plugged into the Holy Spirit, hearing Him, filled with the Spirit, learning to discern things by the Spirit, as opposed to how much time, I've talked about this before, how much time do we spend in the Word compared to how much time we listen to our news feeds? How much time do we spend in the Word compared to how much we spend working out? How much time we spend in the world? I'm not trying to put under anybody in a guilt, under a guilt trip here, but Jesus said when he came, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'll take care of all the things you worry about. And we wonder why sometimes we're ineffective. It's because it simply has a matter to do with priorities. And in the church in America, sometimes we come, we sit in rows, we listen to somebody from the front, which is not, not being critical of that. That's a part of the discipleship process. But then we just get on with our busy lives and there's, we prioritize a few times throughout the week. And there's a big difference to going to meetings and connecting. So I know that small groups are important to you. I think that that's where a lot of the life is. The, the one church I, I did pastor, I, you know, there was a time that we were really you know, thriving, 
And people would say, what do you attribute that to? And of course, first thing I have to do is just say the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But the second thing I would say is I said, we're very intentional about developing love relationships with among ourselves that are real and not shallow and not surface. And the problem with the church in America is that it's a mile wide and an inch deep. And there's a shallowness and superficiality that really the world, it doesn't, it's not attractive to the world. And our churches, in too many cases, are places we go to dedicate our babies, places we go to get married, places we go to get buried. And that's not what Jesus intended for the church. He said, hey, Peter, you got it right. Yes, I am the Messiah. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to be the very cornerstone. And the very gates, the very authority, the greatest power of hell will not prevail against it. And so the reason the Son of God appeared, as 1 John tells us in 1 John 3, the reason He appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And guess what? We get to be a part of that. (laughs) I've seen Him bring so much destruction and heartache to people's lives, deceive people, lead them astray. And I am looking forward to however long God gives me on earth until I see Jesus face to face to doing as much as I can to investing in the advancing of the kingdom of light over the kingdom of darkness. I mean, I will take some joy when I see Satan get his reward. I must say. But it tells us in Isaiah when talking about Satan, we're going to say, is this the one that deceived the nations? This thing? And then we, as God's people, and we as humans everywhere, are going to be held accountable. To what voices we chose to listen to and not listen to. So are we going to listen to the Messiah who came to bring us the truth that will set us free? Who came not only to speak truth and tell us what the truth was, but to demonstrate how much the Father loved us. You know, I, I, I believe there's coming a time again where we will be so plugged into, and maybe it's, I know it's happening probably in other parts of the world. It's There's something about America that... You know, we're kind of like the church that Jesus talks about in Revelation chapter 3. You know, the church at Thyatira, we say we're rich. We don't have any need of anything. And, And Jesus says, you don't realize that you're actually poor, wretched, blind, naked. And gentle Jesus, uh, meek and mild, says, and if you don't repent, I'm going to come and remove your candlestick. Now, here's the thing I love about Jesus. You know, those were those were real churches. Back in, in the Apostle John's day that Jesus was talking to, and if you read the history of them, a lot of them stayed around for a long time. How many of you know that God is long-suffering? But there comes a time when we keep, if we keep disobeying and we keep turning a deaf ear to what God's saying to us, when He's calling us and He's commanding every one of us, I love the way Paul would preach. He goes, yeah, but now there was a time of ignorance that you had. And God winked at that ignorance because he's a really loving, patient God. But there's now coming a time where he's telling everybody to repent and to turn from their own wicked ways and to realize there's one who created us whose ways are higher than our ways, who's smarter than we are, whose ways we can't even completely comprehend. And you need to understand that Jesus came to bring us into a relationship with that kind of God that we're, we're going to keep learning about until we see him face to face. And then we're just going to be going, oh, I mean, it's, we're, we're just going to have our minds plumbed. 
And then we get to hang out with him eternally. And I think it's going to be a blast. We don't know. The Bible says no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us. But he, uh, he's a creator. And I don't think he only created one world and one, one group of people. <laughs> and so I think we'll join, we'll join the Lord in whatever else he's doing in the galaxy. And it's going to be fun. That's, that's total conjecture. You don't have to believe that if you don't want to. Anyway. So point number one. Yeah, I did what I, I prophesied. I'm, I'm only through, halfway down page one and it's getting close. All right. Don't worry about it. Don't get focused on the time. All right? Benjamin, don't get focused. Okay. In Paul's words here and his actions, he was the kind of leader who had a fatherly love and affection for the people that he was called to lead. And we will see this strongly evidence in his relationship with Timothy. Over in the first letter he wrote to Timothy, he says to Timothy, my true son in the faith. You know, in the church in America, we got really powerful guys, pulpit guys, you know, celebrity type leaders. I'm, listen, I am not, I don't want to in any way sound like I'm disparaging people that have big ministries that God uses in mighty ways. But if that's all they do, if there's not some way they're connecting with other people, with other uh, people on a deep level to keep the discipling process going, then when that person goes, the church suffers. Good leadership ordains elders. Paul ordained elders in every city. Paul rose up elders. Paul was a fireball for God, and he picks this 13-year-old kid, and then at 16, he takes him on a second missionary journey and then at 40 the guy's the pastor of the church I mean one of the biggest churches in Ephesus and it was a place where a lot of witchcraft was a lot of weird stuff was going on and he empowered him he discipled him and guess what Timothy did in the same way he was made a disciple he discipled others and here we are 2,000 years later because through the, through the centuries in spite of all of Satan's attempts to destroy us. A few people, or more than a few people, became to the understanding that we're not following a religion. We're following a Savior, and His name's Jesus. And He came to show us how to do it. And let me tell you something. There's a whole lot in here that tells us how. And then He gives us a counselor to teach us this stuff. I mean... People say, what's your favorite book? You know, we're, we live in a culture that loves to be entertained and they always want to be reading books. There's 66 books here that you have. I've got 66 favorite books. And I love the Gospels. <laughs> and I love the teachings of Jesus. And I love seeing him not just speaking truth, but demonstrating truth. And then I love seeing his church that he empowered going and do the same thing. <laughs> Silver and gold I don't have, but you know what I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I'm telling you, folks. There's coming a time, and it's right here upon us, when we need to begin to see those manifestations of power. Not just when we get a big church service in, we all get revved up. I'm talking about on the streets. I'm talking about going up to the person that maybe. It's the most scungy person you could think of going up to. And now, don't do this just on a whim, because I said it. Do this as the Holy Spirit says. But I believe, 
And I'm longing for the time in my own life where the Holy Spirit will say, Ben, I want you to go to that person and look them right in the eye, as weird as they might be, and just say, you know, if this is what God says, not just make it up. But say, I want you to know God told me he loves you very much. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. That's the gospel. Our creator who created us, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who knows you better than you know yourself, he has a plan and a purpose to you, for you, to connect with him, to reveal his glory in the earth. Oh, oh, I get excited about it. Thanks for letting me come and get excited in front of you. To help us understand what a powerful dynamic this father-son relationship was in the discipling methods of Jesus and the first church and in how Paul made disciples, let's consider this passage together from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 15 through 17. I have it written out on your notes if you don't have time to turn there. But he says, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. And I, I want to just say quickly... We're also living in a culture right now where, you know, we talk about uh, racism, we talk about sexism, we talk about, there's a thing called ageism, where people like me are becoming irrelevant and people don't want to hear what the old people have to say. How many of you know that there's a wisdom that we've gained through the years, if nothing else, through all the stupid mistakes we've made, <laughs> that, that, the, that the younger generation would do well to hear if they didn't kick us to the curb and want to put us in, in nursing homes and euthanize us at 80 years old. I'm sorry I got off on that tangent, but I couldn't help it. <laughs> I think you're blessed to have a pastor whose father was a pastor, whose father-in-law is a pastor, who has fathers in the faith, not perfect men by any means, but there's a relational dynamic that's cool. And we like each other. And we've seen each other's faults and flaws. And I, you know, I don't really have much interaction with um, Michael Cotton, but I do with Ben, and we're not afraid to tell each other the truth about our bad selves, and that's good. In other words, hold each other accountable. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, now listen to this, I urge you to imitate me, for this reason, I'm sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who was faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. In other words, I'm not the big man who comes in and delivers the word and says, just do as I do, not as I, mean, do as I say, not as I do. I'm a man who's following Christ in such a way I can say to you with a clear conscience, Follow me as I follow Christ. And we'll follow Christ together. <laughs> Similarly, 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now watch this. I got with this in all bold. That means this next statement or statements mean a lot. The men and women whose lives were miraculously transformed by believing and receiving God's forgiveness for our many sins through Christ's sacrificial love who were then baptized in water in the Holy Spirit, were also committed, now listen to this, they were also committed to walking in a depth of relationship with each other 
that made his church a place of continual transformation, healing, and deliverance from those things that hinder anyone from walking in the freedom that our Savior came to give us. It's not just me and Jesus got a good thing going. We and Jesus have a good thing going. And through his multifaceted body of Christ and the different giftings and the different strengths and weaknesses, we can encourage each other, we can spur each other on to love and good works. That's what Paul and Peter and John and James and Luke and other leaders and followers of Christ who came right after Jesus, they invested their lives in and it changed the course of human history for better in spite of all the forces of darkness resisting it. Amen? The Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, masterfully communicates the power of this reality in 1 John 1, 5 through 9. I won't turn there for sake of time, but he says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from everything that's not right. And then he goes on to say, if you say you haven't sinned, you're a liar, and the truth isn't in you. And so there's something about walking with one another where we're not trying to hide. We're not coming in. You know, too many times we come into a fellowship and we try to pretend to be something we're not to kind of put us in a good face. And Jesus said, no, you need to be able to come together and be able to have a safe place where you can cast, you know, where you can confess your sins and pray for each other and be healed because that's where life is. And so, you know, that's part of the dynamic of the early church. They encouraged these type of meaningful relationships. And, of course, their ways of communicating were much different than ours. Paul and I were talking on the way down here. Uh, You could, I mean, as much information as you can get over the airwaves, you can listen to lots of good preachers. And you can listen to lots of trash. (laughs) But who is that person that is, is... is investing in you or who is that person that you're investing in and and this is something that God gives us to share with others not to consume upon ourselves just to say don't we just have a wonderful life therefore we must take this relational dynamic of deep meaningful relationships into account in our local churches discipleship efforts which means we become intentional about pursuing and developing meaningful relationships opposed to just going to meetings. Now, I understand we live in a very fast-paced society. I understand that we've got very busy lives. I understand that if you've got children, that's a whole different dynamic. How many of you just enjoyed being married and having that life together as a married couple, and all of a sudden the kid came? The kid you're glad to have, but boom, everything changed. <laughs> And all of a sudden you had these other priorities. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with finding a place where other people are in the same lot in life and helping each other with the kids. And, you know, helping moms, helping moms understand things like uh, postpartum depression, like why do I actually want to kill my kid when I love my kid? You know, things like that. And how to, how to, how to discipline with God's grace. How to, how to repent when you don't discipline with God's grace. I think, uh, anyway, I won't get off on family, how to raise families, because I, I think I've done a mediocre job, but they're all, I think we all love each other and like each other, and I think most of my children love Jesus. And I think the rest of them that don't are going to come to love Jesus. 
because we're praying for them and we hope to be Jesus to them whether we agree with everything they believe or not. Amen? Yeah. Jesus loved us with an unconditional love. He loved us when we were lost. We were despicable. We were in darkness. And he said, they asked him, what are the greatest commands? He said, well, love the Lord God with everything you have and then love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? And he mentions the guy, kind of guy that was most despicable to them. So think of, think of the people group you hate the most <laughs> and think about how God commands you to love them with his love. That power will change people's lives. That, that intentionality will change people's lives. Let's just read without getting into all the scriptures because we don't have time, but I sure have enough to preach next week. <laughs> I'll put it on turbo boost next week, okay? And you can keep these notes. It's great. I, just get to, I don't even have to strive over getting point two. But I'll just read them to you. Paul was a thankful man, a prayerful man, and a humble man whose prayerful lifestyle was an acknowledgement that without Christ, he's nothing. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Except a man abide in me and I in him, you can't produce any fruit. And then he just says these lovely words. It's in the red letters. He just says, without me, you're nothing. Those early church leaders, as dynamic as they were, as filled with the Spirit as they were, with healing miracles that they walked in, they knew, and we need to know, without Jesus, we're nothing. That's point two, point three. There was a lot under point two, man. Maybe I just got one more sermon and y'all can read the notes. Where's point three? Yeah, can I take this from you? Okay. The third thing we're going to focus on today, not... (laughs) Well, we'll focus on it later, but we can tell you about it now. Paul was a man who understood the crucial importance of a clear conscience. I love that scripture. has been life-changing to me where Paul says, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. I can appear to be one thing to you that I'm actually not. But you can't fool God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For that whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption from the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life from the Spirit. And so one of the things that's just, I mean, this is, you know how people always say, well, this is my life scripture. I, I kind of get away from that because I'm going, it's all life, yeah. you know. The one I really like and one I think the church needs. And I think there's a time, of talking about this walking in relational integrity, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, talking about walking in, 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 the, in the fear of the Lord and, and, and understanding, I, I want to walk in the fear of the Lord because it's becoming so precious to me for to have my ears open again, my eyes seen again. I don't want to do anything to grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm not walking around that fear, oh, God's going to judge me if I do. No, I'm walking around saying, I don't want to lose this precious thing that God's given. And so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. That means, how many of you know, I love what Israel said this morning. 
You come out, you pray, and you have a great prayer time, you have a great word time, and then about an hour or two later, you're flipping somebody off on the road. He didn't say that, but I just thought that may be what happened. I don't know. Now I'm going to confess somebody else's sins instead of mine. So how many, how many, he goes on to say, he says, I die daily. I mean that, brothers. Repentance is not something we do once when we get saved. It's a lifetime condition. Like I've, I've found as God is doing this new work in me, I just like all day long I'm repenting. And I'm not under condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's freedom for me. And I like it that my Father in heaven loves me enough to discipline me, rebuke me, chasten me. And listen to this, y'all. No matter how far away you've drifted from God, He never drifted from you. No matter how far you think you've gone, you might say, well, I've forsaken God. How could He never forsook you and He never was not near to you. And He's always wooed you and He's always called you even when you were so far away. And He loves you with an everlasting love. And that love can absolutely transform our lives in such a way that we can transform our cultures in such a way that revival can come to the church. We, we need, desperately need spiritual awakening in America, but spiritual awakening will not come to America till revival comes to His people. So you want to see revival? Draw a circle and say, God, bring it here and let the fire spread. Amen? So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the words that have been spoken this morning, may the fire of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit be applied to your life and your heart and whatever it means for you. And may God bless Living Hope Church in Kernersville, North Carolina, that people who are walking in darkness in this region will see a great light because we learn and we submit ourselves to the fire of God and we learn to die to ourselves and let Him live. Come, Holy Spirit. Reveal Jesus to the culture. We ask that in Jesus' name.